Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kaldzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, uh, our... Our long national nightmare is not yet over. We need to send more care packages and uh, I don't know, so some Gatorade, some some blankets to Steve Kornacki because we. It's a week later. It's like functionally, you know, almost a week yeah. later, and we still don't know what happened in Iowa with like reliable certainty. Not that it actually matters, but we're heading into just what's going to. This is the start of what's going to be a very busy primary and very over like dramatized and everything yes. it's very significant i'm not not to downplay the significance of the democratic 2020 primary don't get me wrong um but also like it really at this point doesn't matter like the delegate count is going to be so like it's not going to change that much even with if if the voting numbers change dramatically we're really just blowing a lot of this out of proportion for the actual delegate count um yes. but one of my most entertaining things this week has been watching everybody watch Kornacki and just like how much those of us who follow such things uh, seem to really enjoy him. I very much enjoy him as well. And so watching like just the general coverage, I'm less interested in, but I always enjoy when they get into the nerdy numbers things as a nerd myself, as a former math team person, uh, whenever they get to the screen and they're zooming in and they're talking percentages, and I, I, I enjoy it. So just watch the, watching the frazzle just like spread over the course of the week as all of these people who are trying to cover Iowa, like get less and less sleep <laughs> has been both ridiculous and a welcome distraction and just been too much too much of my like youtube viewing i gotta say have you been following any of this a little bit um i too love kornacki and uh listeners for those of you who are not aware steve kornacki is an msnbc correspondent who handles the like interactive whiteboard thing basically during their election coverage he's the one who drills down on maps into counties and precincts and that kind of a thing um and he's typically really delightful anyway like i watched him for the midterm elections a couple of years ago and he he's fun he's nerdy he but he gets very serious about pinching and zooming and he's much more entertaining at it than like the people who do it over on cnn who are just bored i think john king does it at cnn for a while i don't know who does it mm-hmm. now but Kranaki's just delightful and silly and um a more enjoyable nate silver and you can tell he takes it seriously you can tell he's he takes practiced. it so seriously which is why watching him just struggle he has one thing yeah. and he's gonna do it right. right you know yeah but then the whole thing of but i don't have anything to zoom on anymore and Stop talking in my ear so I can just do this thing. <laughs> just stop. When he was on like a literal whiteboard, like a like a college yes. dorm like yes. whiteboard. Oh yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. So but he's just he was getting so exasperated, and understandably so, because like you said, he's got the one thing that he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the results don't come in, he doesn't get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, or when the technology betrays him, yeah. Yeah. And admittedly, like, the entirety of the coverage for Aya was a debacle mm-hmm. from a television perspective of, oh, we don't have anything and we have to fill 
all this airtime with all of the hours speculation about what all this means. And the answer is doesn't mean anything because it's Iowa. And despite all the things that we put on Iowa, it doesn't mean anything. Call me back when we get to Super Tuesday <laughs> when things matter. Well, and then like going, going in, you know, off of this week, I would not want to be the Connors right now, though admittedly a caucus versus a primary, completely different thing. You know, yes. I don't anticipate anything approaching the ridiculousness that we, we had around Iowa to happen in, in New Hampshire. But I mean, I had somehow missed this when it was announced, I think in like in January or maybe December that the Connors are planning to do, they're doing a live episode, you know, this next week, this coming week that will core. And then that will incorporate the, New Hampshire primary results. Like, I think the characters are going to be watching the primary or whatever, mm -hmm. or just have it have like that get updated depending on what happens throughout the episode. And I think that's interesting, very interesting. And, uh, but also like, why is this, this doesn't seem like the kind of stunt that's going to actually bring that many more viewers in. Like, I might watch it, but yeah. I'm not going to watch more episodes of the Connors. I mean, like, I don't have anything against the Connors, but. It's like it's just not on my list of of, of yeah. shows to follow up on. Um, so I just think it's interesting. So like clearly they must think it's fun and want to do it. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Uh, but I would not. After all of this ridiculous debacle around Iowa, I would not like. Do they are they like frantically penning backup car like backup scripts for in case everything's completely undecided and like I don't know something ridiculous happens. Probably I would hope so because I've actually just gotten word that Shadow Inc. <laughs> has designed the ballots for New Hampshire. Indeed. Um, They're, well, in the scanners of the ballots. And the scanners, right. Yeah, the scanning yeah. machines, yeah, of course, of course. So, yeah. But, <laughs> no, I think I think I may watch this only because I'm, I'm also curious about how they slot their characters into candidates mm -hmm. of who supports whom I'm actually really interested in. Um, that would be, like, the only thing I think that I would be kind of compelled by because i really want dan to be part of the yang gang but <laughs> i don't know how that's going to shake out i just don't um yeah but it's a it's an interesting idea mm -hmm. um and yeah i i mean at the same time I, i'm also like well if murphy brown was still back cbs could do it too and just do a faux news show covering it and wouldn't that be interesting but no you don't get to do that now no no well it, it's just just to do it around the primary is such an interesting, like, because it would never have occurred to me, like, around the election, absolutely. But Right, but then yeah. you want your newscast stuff, yeah, and I can I see the appeal of doing, like, this in lieu of doing a newscast that people kind of fragment across to different venues, but if you make it, like, an event sort mm -hmm. of thing, it's different, and it's differential. So, I don't know. I kind of like the concept, because um, then you can just cut to the ABC News studio um, during the breaks. Mm -hmm. so. so we'll see and it should be interesting certainly um this week there was a more significant tv uh event than any of this was, was probably the the release of the final episodes of bojack horseman shout out to friend of the show uh les chapel who uh, has his reviews up at the av club um yeah but but we're seasons behind my sister finished it and she texted me i just finished bojack it was so amazing and i can tell she wanted to talk about it. i was like i am like three seasons Behind. I like that you say we're seasons behind as if I've actually started BoJack, which I have not. You are six and a half seasons behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am the entire show behind. <laughs> um, so 
yes, uh, I've heard only positive things about the end of BoJack, and uh, I'm sure it was very thoughtfully and consistently delivered based on you know what I've been hearing from people. But we will not be talking about it this week. We will instead be talking about the end of a different show, uh, of course, The Good Place, which had its finale last week. We wanted some time because when we record this, we would have had to record like very shortly after it it dropped uh, last week. So we wanted to have some time to really sit with it, which is why we're talking about it this week. That's going to be at the end of the show. And the question is, are we going to try to work in more profanity so that we can like bench it up and fork it up. What do you think? Fork, yeah. <laughs> but, see, You're such a messy bench, Kate. I am. I am. Messy I love bench drama. loves drama. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be at the end of the show, but we've got a quite a bit of TV to talk about before then. And you know, listeners, you know what song I had to use to lead into the, the week in TV. There's, it's not actually going to be our first segment, but like I was going to start with any other music. So we're going to take a break, come back with a week in comedy. Um, but until then, here is Poison, performed on this week's Legends of Tomorrow by Jess McAllen. Uh, just, just like chef's kiss. So good. Enjoy. And then we'll be right back with our Week in Comedy. just it's so good and we're going to talk about legends later today but uh later in the show but first up we have our a brief week in comedy here we're going to talk about the brooklyn 99 premiere manhunter and captain kim then i caught up with fresh off the boats we'll talk about that a little bit as well as mommy and me before we get to schitt's creek the premiere and then i'll have a few thoughts about the super bowl halftime show and some of some of that i didn't actually watch the super bowl because i was teaching but i did make sure that i caught up that all of like 15 minutes to watch the halftime show did you did you catch the halftime show or no nope no. Okay. Well, then I, I saw the reactions it. to it, and people <laughs> were very enthused. But I was like, I don't care. You you were good. Fair enough. Well, I know that you do care about the return of Brooklyn Nine Nine. So, what yes. did you think of these two first two episodes? So, I really enjoyed Manhunter a good bit. Um, I think Captain Kim's also good, but I'm also slowly getting tired of the crew goes to a party and things go awry mm-hmm. um, because. It's been done a lot um and it's not the halloween heist episode so i don't like expect that anyway manhunter does a good job of sort of reestablishing dynamics of oh right he's in uniform that's that that involves a whole different sort of power dynamic and while i don't think the episode does as good a job as it should and necessarily addressing that i do still enjoy small jokes about how Jake keeps calling Holt captain, how 
everyone still responds to Holt as if he has authority because he's Holt. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kinds of runners are really, really solid. Um, and then also just, I need, I need Vanessa Bayer to just come back. <laughs> I just need, it's Debbie, right? I don't remember. I just know that we need her at least in the background, picking up some cones at a future yeah, crime just, scene. Yeah. Cause it's so good. It's so good. Is, is there a third option? Nervously tag along. I will take that. It's just, just the layers of performance of she just doesn't make eye contact either. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, this is this is very good. But it's also a little telling that that was like my thing that I latched onto was like the guest cameo for the episode. But it's still funny. It's still good. And I enjoyed Boyle's Manhunter song riff mm-hmm. of it was just very funny. So I was glad for that. Um, Captain Kim, I like the turn of... No, the new captain's actually good and wants to do well and basically wants to be a steward of the 9-9 until Holt can come back. I love that as a concept. It's really cool. And then they just fork it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was really delightful. Um, my partner, because of how the party had something for everyone, assumed that Kim had devised a mystery for mm-hmm. Jake and for Holt. Mm-hmm. But... I was a little disappointed that that wasn't the case. But at the same time, I'm also just, I feel so bad for Charles. <laughs> He's not going to get into that poker game with celebrity chefs and Broadway stars, including Sutton Foster. <sighs> they, that was just like the choice of Sutton Foster for that. The the reaction. It was just, yeah. it was very good. It was very yeah. nice. Yeah. I I hadn't thought of that, like having devised a puzzle thing, um, yeah. which would have been nice. Because she had something for everything else. She, yeah. Like the future of organization. It's not a binder. It's a future of organization technology. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, yes. I want to hear all about that. Why are we cutting away from this person? <laughs> yeah. Listeners, I'm just going to show Noel real quick here. Um my stacks of binders see you need whatever that person has developed yeah by size by type of ring it's a whole yes uh both leslie nope and amy are very much uh you know like they're very close to me in their uh, appreciation and respect for a well-organized binder um so goodness knows i appreciated that that little shout out or that that choice from captain kim yeah i thought these were uh, solid premieres uh i i do feel like it's starting to like I, i need more originality i need something to shake up the energy there and having holt down back in uniform certainly has the potential for that but i don't actually yeah. see that happen like in these first two episodes at least that's not there and yeah. some of the same beats because they're in season seven now we've already seen them seen them like do the best version of these that i uh-huh. think they're going to be able to do and not that they should stop trying to top themselves but i think at, at this point in it's just it's less charming. <laughs> it's less mm-hmm. funny. They need to to pivot and do something new. And and the potential like pregnancy scare and everything that could come from that, that's something new. That's something that they can really explore. I'm hoping that we'll get more of that pretty soon. Different developments that we've gotten for so, for some of the other characters could be interesting. Like, how old are Terry's girls now? I mean, it's kind of implied that they're at least preteens. So Cagney and Lacey are in their preteens. Or if not teenagers. 
Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's a lot more potential stuff for stuff there, there yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and in certain, I mean, Alex <laughs> with Boyle and, and, and his son as well. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, there's other things that they could be doing, I think, um, to reflect the fact that these are now, we're seven years on roughly yeah. in the, the show's timeline. And, uh, we'll, hopefully they'll, they'll do something more with that. I mean, goodness gracious. Forgive me, I would like more depth to Hitchcock and Scully at this point. And maybe that's an abomination, but that's sort of where I'm at right now. <laughs> oh, the weenie warriors. I don't know. Like, I mean, I enjoyed the fact that they sort of solved the case by, yeah, no, you can't have a hot dog truck there. It's a zoning issue, Jake. Forget it. <laughs> um, which also resulted in the a second Chinatown reference in one week, mm -hmm. um, which I appreciated as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but no, very glad to have the show back. I appreciated getting like double episode premiere status, you know, that big highlight here. And I, I also can feel like, I feel like I can be a little more grumbly about it because we know it's coming back for season eight already. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that. So that makes me feel a little more free to nitpick, but uh, yeah, I was really going to enjoy Captain Kim. So I hope that, Whatever, whoever they do end up bringing in as the captain, they do something different because we've seen incompetent captain, we've seen evil captain. It would be nice to to see good but different than yeah. Holt kind of captain. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Uh, next up is fresh off the boat. This week we had mommy and me. Um, I also caught up with the last several weeks. I'm gonna co-sign everything you said about the magic motor in backdoor pilot. I thought it was very charming. I love <laughs> I love the um, the Mandy Moore candy uh shout out there i thought that was so fun especially because doesn't many more have a new album out like yes she does or she's now. on tour or something yeah, yeah something. something along those lines i definitely think she's on tour because i saw instagram stories of people at her concert yeah so i know I some think, people yeah, very excited about album. it yeah yeah so so that that was a nice bit of coincidence based on when they would have been filming this um so so yeah it was just it, it was very charming i would super watch that show and yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see but uh it was it was a lot of fun and i am optimistic about what that would be this episode uh it was good to get some friction between yes. between jessica and and uh evan because that doesn't happen frequently enough i just love how passive aggressive and and benchy he is with the juice and just like the now you're just wasting juice <laughs> which is great um it was it was it was a fun episode and um yeah yeah it was it was nice to catch back up with the longs it was and i think that the sort of the conflict between them like you said is nice but it also furthers that whole thing of Evan's growing up type of thing. And how does Jessica deal with that by being just over having boys and wanting to move on, <laughs> um, which I really appreciate as like a concept for her as juxtaposed against how Emery is feeling isolated from Lewis and um, Eddie in the burger tasting things as he is now like, I'm a vegan. And it's just like, that's a hard jump, buddy. <laughs> it's a hard jump, but also a terrible jump because vegan cuisine in the early aughts, late nineties, not it's great. Rough. It's going to be a great. while. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a while until it's really good. And I'm not talking about beyond burgers. Cause I don't like beyond burgers at all, actually, but it's just like, you're going to have so long before you can get a decent black bean burger. Um, mm -hmm. You can really taste the garbanzo bean husks. Oh no, <laughs> no. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, agreed. The the ending was creepy, and I, just what they were going for with Chestnut. And uh, other than that, I, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was Chestnut's a fun episode. Creepy, man, Chestnut's yeah. creepy. They they really they like just deciding that we're no we're gonna pivot to strange. We really yeah. go for that in the last episodes here. I think is terrific. So we'll see how it, we'll see how it wraps up. Um, how many is it? Like fifteen episodes? Sixteen? I think it's fifteen or sixteen. I think yeah. we're closing in. Closing it's in. no more than 18, but yeah. I think it's 16. Well, speaking of closing in, uh, we're now halfway through Schitt's Creek's final season, and listeners may notice we haven't been talking about it that much. That's because, you know, I haven't felt like there's that much for me to say, and I like the show more than you do. Uh, this week we had the premiere, and very glad that they gave a stupid reason to have the dress back, um, because it's pretty and I don't care. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought it was cute. I thought it was fun. I like, I like what it seems to be setting up and maybe this digression for Stevie feels like a bit of a waste of time, but at least what we got, um, we got, at least it gave us a Larry air <laughs> and, uh, I, the notion of wanting, feeling like they couldn't just backpedal on the whole cabaret thing. Um, I think it's good, but then to have it just be such a minor subplot for just a few episodes felt, feels like a lot of treading water. And, um, I was, I was hoping there would be more of a thread through the season or at least take a, a larger, like foreground role in the first part of the season before they reverted, you know? Um, so I'm sort of, of mixed minds about that. I haven't been missing Ted. I have been enjoying the wedding stuff. I think in general, it's been an entertaining, uh, like it's been an entertaining final season, but I bet I will acknowledge that I'm missing some of the, I feel like this season misses some of the punch that the last season had. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I think that there's, I don't want to, I don't think that they're coasting necessarily, but I think that there's a lack of urgency mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, a lack of momentum, even though they have these things that they're building towards, like the release of the crows or the wedding, but it just, it all feels sort of lackadaisical in a lot of ways, which is weird. I don't know. It's, it's just very weird. Um, but I can, this episode I think is kind of charming. Like I love the whole thing of doing a small town premiere for the show, for the show, for the movie. I think that's really delightful. And that, the thing that convinces her is a review from an academic journal that is actually positive about the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which is just delightful and silly. Um, so that that worked well. Um, I agree and don't agree about the Stevie stuff for like the same reasons of like, yeah, but also Stevie just doesn't have the motivation. Even when she knows or feels like she needs to do this, she doesn't have the skill set, the tool set to follow through on it. Um, So I think that that's sort of reasonable that it backtracked so quickly. um, If only because also like I, like I told my partner while we were watching this episode, it was very much a, the best thing for me that the show has ever done has been Johnny and Stevie. Like in terms of finding a character duo balance that has worked just gangbusters for them. It's the two of them. So like even like this concept of, buying her out so that he can keep running it because he wants to make sure that she has the money to have the time and the security to go and explore is both a a very johnny thing but b also just speaks to how much their relationship has developed in a way that well if i just buy you out 
then you don't have to worry about anything. And you want out anyway, so let's do it. And it's just, it's very good and it's very sweet. And I really liked it. Mm. And it made me very happy. And then it was also, but I've left you a post-it note, Mr. Rose. <laughs> it says click. <laughs> yeah. That's what um, I don't know. I don't know if for listeners who didn't actually read it, there's like two things on the, it's like two words. Select and then click or something like that. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So I, I liked that and I liked how it kind of ended, but I also liked that he just gave her a signed copy of the book with a very nice message inside. <laughs> um, so again, I do agree that I was expecting it to go longer, but at the same time, if they're now sort of like back in it together, it also means that I get less Roland, which I'm happy about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Neither of us are that big with Roland. Um, I will say while yes, they are definitely have themes or threads for the season. Last season, there were much more specific character threads and the threads this season are plot threads there aren't character threads in a meaningful way they they really took uh they really took stevie on a journey last season they really took uh, david and patrick on a journey and even just patrick specifically last season uh they really took uh alexis and ted on a journey last season of getting them to that point where she's gonna move to the galapagos <laughs> to a to yeah. a scientific outpost in the galapagos <laughs> um so like there was such a clear intentionality to how they were making plot and like comedy choices to benefit character mm-hmm. and, and and that allowed like a greater cohesion it allowed more more of an impact to those moments and this season there are things that are happening but like the first hint of something um more meaningful more thematically and character resonance meaningful for me is of course the that word partner in the book in Johnny's, uh, you know, his uh, personalization, his, his little note he wrote for Stevie. And then this whole question about kids, uh, mm-hmm. which clearly is going to be coming back. Um, yeah. You don't mention that twice to not bring it back. So uh, <laughs> having it come out via just like wisdom teeth drugs. <laughs> um, Those are the good drugs, though. Yeah, he's going to be messed up for a while. I imagine the show is not going to show that, but. That was my thing. Also, it's just like, who gets their wisdom teeth taken out right before their wedding? Like, it's not a good idea. No, like <laughs> when I had mine out, I couldn't play violin for like a month, uh, which was bad because I went I went for practicing like seven hours a day to not at all. And I fell off that wagon hard <laughs> getting back to practicing after like just sitting on my butt watching movies and TV all day uh, was because it was over the summer. Uh, that was it was was it was challenging it didn't happen in a meaningful way but um anyways so yeah i i assume we're we're not getting more of that but yeah it, i would like it if we saw him with like the 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 socks with the ice you know over his head for the next episode or two i could super they be on board for that because i mean the timeline for this can't isn't like very no it's a month out yeah. they have a month so he should be swollen for a little while yeah we'll see <laughs> We'll see. Uh, any final thoughts on Schitt's Creek, or is it time for some Super Bowl talk? Tell me about the Super Bowl, Kate. All okay. of it. Tell me about how the entirety of the Super Bowl kind of anticipated the Iowa caucus results and declaring victory. Yeah, apparently it was a good game. I heard that from several sources. I, I was working, uh, and then I was sleeping. Um, but uh, what I did watch was the halftime show. I wasn't actually all that invested in it, but I had heard that it was good. Um, and then I heard people saying stupid things um, about 
about Shakira and JLo and and the some of the like choreography choices and such. I was like, okay, well, I, I shouldn't just you know instinctively react against things and label certain reactions as sexist and all the stuff until I watch it. And so then I watched it and I was like, yes, they were being stupid and sexist. Um, the 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 framing of oh my god, can you believe Shakira is forty three and can you believe J Lo is fifty? Does feel reductive to some people, but to me, no. I feel like that is a legitimate thing to say because it is amazing that what they are doing. And yes, it's not like dancers stop being able to dance when they hit, you know, their, their early middle age uh, or their actual middle age. Like, no, but like if you look at the videos of them moving and like the show that they're able to put on and you look at them 20 years ago. It's comparable. And that is insane. Physically, you're like, it's really hard to do the stuff that they did. Not to mention, like, you know, the, some, some singing, some lip syncing, but just putting on that kind of, like, that kind of spectacle. It's mm-hmm. impressive from anyone to do yeah. that in, in, as a woman and as a woman of color in an industry that wants you to please go away. Thank you very much. As soon as you get to even just like your thirties or certainly your mid thirties, um, that that is worthy of mention and notice and it shouldn't be but it is uh so so yes props to them but i thought it was just so <laughs> so interesting to watch the reactions online because the people who just saw women who are famous for very uh sensual sexual dance styles and also completely um, like or dance styles that also have been sexualized that aren't necessarily intended in that way um, to be criticized for doing. Like, what did you think you were going to get when you hired Shakira for the Super Bowl? One of her biggest songs is, is The Hips Don't Lie. She's an amazing dancer. Like, and so so when I saw people complaining about some of the, the choreography being too sexual or too all this stuff, I'm like, First of all, this is these, some of this is just really straightforward dance traditions that go back thousands of years that are not sent that are not like explicitly sexualized or sexual. They're just a type of dance style that you aren't familiar with. That's different yeah. than you. Um, when you look at dance styles around the world, there are plenty of dance styles that have a more like centered frame and that where the and where your the hips are more outward, and that's just not like the European, like classic, like folk dance tradition in the same way. And so it's just different than what you're used to. But that doesn't mean that it has all this baggage that you're choosing to put into it. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I thought it was great. All of the um, Shakira's dance choreography that she did and like instrumentation around her uh, Colombian and uh, Lebanese uh, roots and, and heritage. I thought that everything JLo did was, was super fun and ridiculous and amazing. I thought bringing out, like, starting, the fact that both of these dancers started with, um, started with more solo kind of things and then brought in these dance troops. And then when they brought in the dance troops by the end, they were young girls and teen girls. It, it was just this overwhelming, powerful message of, of uh, female empowerment and sisterhood and and Latina pride, I thought was just absolutely powerful. Then you throw in kids in cages, 
singing while wearing American flags. And then you throw in JLo's American flag to Puerto Rican flag coat while they're singing Born in the USA. It was incredibly powerful, incredibly meaningful. And then I go, I watch on Twitter and and, and just all the reaction pieces of people just like, so much pelvic thrusting, so much grinding. What message are they trying to send? Well, clearly you weren't watching. Yeah, no, there's another, there's an actual message. There's an actual message and it is not subtle. It is blatant. It is being screamed. And those of us who were watching saw it. And if you didn't see it, it's because you were actively trying not to. It's Mm -hmm. because you saw empowered women dancing in the way that they wanted to and judged you judged them and turned off your eyes so yeah i just thought it was terrific i thought it was super fun and of course you 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 get j-lo and and or shakira let alone them both those are ladies who know how to put on a show and that's what you need for the super bowl so i thought i thought they did a wonderful job i thought it was great i don't love all of their songs and 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 the you know, I thought that there were too many songs. So they ended up being just like like five to ten seconds spliced together. Mm-hmm. So like I, I would have musically, you know, I wasn't as engaged as I would have liked to have been. But as far as production design, as far as choreography, as far, as far as like spectacle, I thought they nailed it. I also loved <laughs> all of the comedy bits I saw going around um, from people reacting to it. And my favorite was probably on, uh, well, on, on Late uh, late Show with Seth Meyers. Um, there was an Amber Says What. That was delightful, of course reacting to it but there also was uh jenny hagel doing a bit about uh, like a psa for latinas over 40 was <laughs> just her in like a body full body cast We're like so i watched the super bowl halftime show and i thought well they're they're latinas over 40 and i'm a latina over 40 so i'll try and so then i broke my hip and then i broke my leg and then i tried to do this and it like oh it was delightful so go seek it out if you haven't it it was super fun and uh yeah just, I just anybody who just shut off their brain, like, do you want, like, I think people just don't understand how hard it is to do the stuff that, that they make look easy. Um, and so just like, would that any of us had a 10th of that, like, discipline and core and drive and decades of experience and, and work to get to that, that like seamless like physicality. So yeah, I just, I enjoyed it. Go Shakira and and go JLo. Yay. Yay. And, and at that, we're going to take a break. And uh, I think very fittingly listen to little girls just want to have fun as we head into our week in drama and genre. We'll be right back after this.
Again, that was Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which was featured prominently in several different iterations this week on uh, on Stumptown. More on that in a minute. This week in drama and genre, I'm going to kick things off with a few thoughts about the Briar Patch premiere, first time in Saint Disgrace, and then the Sinner premiere, for, uh, part one for season three. Then we'll go over to Stumptown, The Dex Factor, and Doctor Who, Praxius, The Flash Marathon, and we'll round things up, of course, with that just delightful episode of Legends of Tomorrow, Miss Me, Kiss Me, Love Me, um, which of course is referencing Poison, which we listened to earlier in this this week's episode. So first up is Briar Patch, which is a kind of noir, uh, very pulp uh, mystery, murder mystery starring Rosario Dawson. Um, they had their, it's a 10 episode uh, season. They had the first episode this week, first time in Saint Disgrace. I mean, we, we have the town is Saint Disgrace and we have uh, our main character Rosario Dawson's sister gets blown up in a car bomb in like the first ep- the first early minutes of the of the premiere and we find out she's a cop but that maybe she's on the take and there's there's a lot of shady business going down in Saint Disgrace are you from this town you know I grew up here character who grew up there and got out of Dodge and is coming back like it's very familiar tropes and yes the this first episode is not good enough. <laughs> it's not what it should be. But the cast is really good. And uh, particularly, obviously, Rosario Dawson. We love her here on the television. She's delightful. Um, she's very, very good at what she does. I'm hoping that the material will rise to her. If not, she can make a lot of things watchable and fun. Um, but I'm hoping that that the material will rise to her. But also the rest of the cast. Uh, Jay Ferguson, of course, from uh, Mad Men. Stand on Mad Men is like the rich guy uh who's the who's the ex who's like uh gross and uh one of the powers in town and coming going to be on a future episode is like this like the ads call him like the devil in a three-piece suit kind of a thing like kind of smarmy political character um there's just there's a lot of fun coming playing that never. never right um so the the thing that actually has me most interested, like some of the framing is really interesting. It's just again, it's very going for that pulpy feel, um, without going completely into camp. Uh so the the ad campaigns and stuff being so stylized, I think are, you know, promising, or at least that's how they're trying to position the show. Hopefully that pays uh-huh. off in more meaningful ways in the future episodes. Um basically there's it's it's a little different than anything else that's on right now. And I really like the cast, so I'm gonna stick with it for a while, but it like the actual mysteries aren't gripping me the way that they should in the first uh episode, you know, to normally stick with it. Like there was a breakout at the zoo, somebody like released a bunch of animals from the zoo, and so like there's like a tiger on the loose kind of stuff. So like there's like these ri- ridiculous heightened elements that come in only occasionally that I don't think they fully commit to in the right way to take it over the top. Um so they We'll see just where they want to pitch the tone. Right now, I'm a little uncertain, but I think there's, you know, it could be fun. And I, I'm going to stick with it for now. I will update you as we get more. And I, the the little bit I saw in other, like, write-ups were kind of similar. Like, Rosario Dawson's really good, but the material's not quite there yet, or the writing's not quite there yet. So I'm hoping that it'll, you know, get there. Uh, the the networks, they seem pretty excited about it, like, confident with it. So, and this is an adaptation, right? Um, I do not know the answer to that. I think that yeah, I think it's adapted from like a podcast or a short story or something. I'm I'm we talked about it in our uh, podcast feels right. Yeah, we but... talked about it in this yeah the the preview winter preview, but I'm not remembering it uh, off the top of my head. So that 
should you'd think should be encouraging, but we'll see. I don't know. I, I will report back, like I said. Uh, the Sinner had its season three premiere, and we know I don't care about this show very much, but I watched last season. But you season. keep watching it. I know, but they had <laughs> Carrie Coon last season. That's and right. I was all kind and of- this a, season, they have Matt Bomer, so you're stuck. They have Matt Bomer, and I wasn't going to watch it, but then I was like, okay, well, who do they have this season? They, oh, they have Matt Bomer. Oh, and they have Christmasina. Oh, I do really like Christmasina. Um, okay, let's see. And, and I had all my other viewing caught up so i was like i have to write lesson notes might as well um and actually i'm pretty engaged by it so there are okay. a couple things a little different um this this time which is interesting that like the it's like a car accident versus like you know someone like the first first episode first season is jessica beale going into like a trance and stabbing someone at the beach and the second season is like this kind of cult thing or like a child endangerment or like at a just this this like camp sort of in the woods that this this quasi religious is it a cult kind of situation um this season seems to have less about our detective bill pullman's messed up life and birds and yes fewer birds though he does mention that there's red tail hawks and stuff at his new house which is of course out in the middle of nowhere where there's no cell reception and it's going to be a conversation about isolation and all these different things and yeah but the actual case is more interesting bomer's good so far some of it is uh not great um some of it is very clearly foreshadowing in a big way certain um traumas and and such but i mean i'll I'll watch messina be creepy and menacing like that's gonna keep me around for a few episodes uh and watching bomer deal with that i'm you know i'm I'm here for that a little bit and the fact that again it it seems to be skirting around some of the topics that they've engaged with previously and going in a slightly different direction um is more interesting uh while still feeling very much on brand so yeah, I'm, 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 I am surprised to say that I think I actually will stick around at least for a couple more um, for the Sinner season three. They just keep you, they just keep pulling you back in. Well, I seriously only watched season two just for Carrie Coon. Like, that was the only mm-hmm. reason I watched. And I still don't know that it was actually worth my time. Um, so we'll see. I'm actually more engaged by the mystery in this season than I was mm-hmm. last season. So we'll, we'll yeah. see. Um, next yeah. up is Stump Town and the Dex Factor, which is... The, our our Dex is undercover episode, and right. they seem to have wrapped up the stupid bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, bullshit. Uh, and, and now we're gonna just go back to mostly status quo with some sea breezes. I am super up for that. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that the show sort of has realized, at least early on, and it's now becoming a pattern, is doing like little mini arcs of this kind of like heavy, especially with gray. Um, is sort of like the best way to handle Gray not being up the bar. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea. But it also means that we just kind of have to live with these arcs for a little while, which I don't want to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, even if they do sort of end like this one does with a n- layers of delightfulness. Like, I like Cynthia Adai Robinson coming in as Violet, um, who's just has an immense amount of em- energy and chemistry with... Um, Kobe Smolders, and then just it's just really good and mm-hmm. like the layers that kind of come in very very quickly between the two of them as both being in in the military then being sort of freelancers in their own special way 
and how that all kind of plays in to the final confrontation I think worked really, really well. I did want more of Dex undercover. We got like two scenes of Dex undercover. Mm -hmm. And I just went, that was a lot of buildup for nothing. Mm -hmm. Also, does Dex get a cut of this at all? No? Okay. Um, That I just, I I was expecting a little bit more. But I still enjoyed how like very casually she just slipped into that. In a way that felt more casual than what Grey does. Um, who's just kind of nervous about it, but nervous about it for different reasons of, I don't want to slide back into this type of thing, which I think is where a lot of that anxiety comes from. Whereas with Dex, it's just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm used to lying now mm-hmm. at this point. It's fine. Um, so I think that it's good. I'm glad that maybe we can get to, like you said, sort of back to status quo and maybe we can get her to do some more cases of the week Mm -hmm. um that are just kind of weird and zany um and i like using the reservation as sort of a get out of jail free card quite literally yeah (laughs) that's a card Um, you can only play so many times but they did it so well here that i'm super willing to give it to them yeah no that's the thing is like i'm very willing to give this one to them because it's just like oh no that worked that worked well. I appreciate that. That was a solid use of their their these characters that haven't popped up quite as recently. Mm-hmm. And now we're making it work. And so I liked that. And it's a good deployment of them. And also just like the tone of it, the yeah. way that they, it wasn't like, you tell Dex, this is the last time. You know, or anything like that. Right. It was just very just like, yeah, I owe her one, which, you know. We all yeah. love decks several, so let's, you know, just play that. Yeah. And it's just, it's just that world building of, like, the kind of thing you can do when you've built and established connections with your main character. And, yeah, I, I liked that it was just a straightforward thing and not uh, overplayed by, the not the actors, but the characters. I, I appreciate yes. that quite a bit. Yeah, so I think it generally worked really well. I liked it as a conclusion to that. Um, I do think that they're still struggling to figure out what to do with the bar when Gray's not there. Um, the whole thing with the Yelp review and the diners who got a free delicious sounding meal and then just like backstabbed. Um, I'm just kind of like, nah, I don't, I don't care, but I'm also struggling. I also know that you needed to fill something. So you filled it and it's fine. It's entertaining, but yeah, you just, they're still, they're still figuring out what to do with certain corners of the show. 13 episodes in which is a little worrying but it also means that maybe you just need to streamline and iron some stuff yeah well and also you know like it's, it's i think these are good instincts it, yeah. I, I appreciate well i you know I, I agree that that part of the episode or like doesn't quite work i appreciate that they feel like okay and now we should show what's been going on at the like how is gray actually running a business when he's doing yeah. i like that they feel like they need to show that and like that respect for the audience and that you know i appreciate some of these other choices like i <laughs> i appreciate having dex go undercover and actually the reason they have her go undercover is so that we can introduce maybe her anna espinosa um i was having serious alias feels during that fight um to introduce violet as a a character i would assume if the show sticks around for a while that we will see again um, in meaningful in meaningful ways even if not long term um i I just thought that was such a cool way to way to go it's like here's what you expect us to do and here's what a different show would do and we're gonna go this other way we're gonna do something more interesting and more creative with it um that was probably my favorite fight of the season I thought yes. it was really good. 
I don't think it was necessarily as good as the pet store fight because of the mm-hmm. scoring for that. Yeah. Um, really livened it up. But I do think that this was probably their best fight. And I think a lot of that has to come down to the fact that they have Cynthia Ida Robinson on. Yeah. Who I'm assuming got fight choreography training and had to fight some shit in Spartacus. <laughs> yes. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> that is. Well, there's a reason that the Arrow people just like, hired half the cast of Spartacus. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's because they're very good at selling that stuff uh, when they when they need to when the actors are being used instead of the the stunt people. Um so yeah, that was that was super fun. And like I said, it I was I was literally watching it and it was making me so nostalgic for Alias and so appreciative of what I mean and it's very possible listeners let me know maybe there's some other shows that I'm not thinking of. Um, that are like gaps in my knowledge, but I really feel like Alias changed the way fight scenes with women were filmed and structured on TV. Because of course you had people like the six, uh, the, the the Bionic Woman, you had people like Wonder Woman, but usually they weren't in like rough brawls with other right. women. Um, and where they're both hard like tough sob sons of benches or daughters of benches shall we say um like and of course i immediately go to that there's the great all the different sydney and espinosa fights but of course the great one is is uh the everything including the kitchen sink fight from what is that the season two there was a france nader and said um in, in in i think that's season two of alias um and so, so I was thinking very fondly of, of that and how awesome it is that we can have like this fight scene, which I can really appreciate and enjoy every second of, but also um, not feel like it's revelatory, not feel like um, this is the first time I'm seeing this on TV, but rather part of a long tradition of awesome lady fights. Uh, you know, it was, it was really, really fun. And of course the flips over the rail and we uh, goes, goes for the gun again. Very smart. <laughs> they don't have her like, okay, we get one. But she goes like immediately as soon as she can goes to get the gun because that's the equalizer here. And then looks back and she's finished. Um, so yeah, I know. Right. Oh, I, I appreciate future what next I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for a sea breeze because I know it's yeah. going to come back at some point and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to squee when it happens because uh, we'll meet another really sweet, awesome episode. I thought the the chemistry there, there though, like I thought they really earned it in the bar scene. I thought they're uh, just like the whole the whole like everything we got with them. Because the whole time you're watching it, you know, as a viewer, and so you're like, is she playing her? How much of this is, and you know, so I appreciate that it worked on both levels. You could appreciate it in the moment with the with that uncertainty, and then you could also appreciate it after you see her see Dex and realize. Um, so, and so that it just validates for you that those were genuine interactions. And yeah, I really like that part of it. The stuff with Tuki was fine. Um, the egging the house was fine. They do need to get a better handle on what they're going to do with Ansel if they're going to have Grey out out of the bar. Um, and always just having those two pair up as much as I enjoy them, I feel like it needs to make more sense. So you need to make bring Tuki into the bar and have Ansel be like learning from him or something. Like there are things they could do, but they have so far not been willing to or interested in it. So I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's you're yeah. right it's still too fractured for a 13th episode um but i appreciate the reasons it feels fractured if that makes sense i feel like sure. the instincts are are right even if or the like the the priorities are correct even if they're not quite clicking together yet yeah i think that makes sense um any other thoughts on Stumptown? or if not let's head to doctor who and praxius right so kate 
Uh-huh. Did you know that we're destroying the planet? Because I feel like Doctor Who wants us to know that we're destroying the planet. <laughs> yeah. If, okay, so if this, if we had just had this episode and hadn't had Orphan 55, I feel like it would be fine. But the fact that they're so close together and also Orphan 55 was not good <laughs> um, doesn't, doesn't help. Because I actually think this notion of, uh, like, I think I actually really like this episode. But it yeah, does I do feel- too. It but feels a bit like, much coming off of that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing is like, I was just like, no, I, I know Doctor Who. I know we're destroying the planet, but I know. Just, just tell me something else in another way. <laughs> but I mean, I, at the same time, as someone who used to cover environmental topics, like that whole thing, like people don't think about the fact that our bodies are mostly filled with plastic now. Like we just don't think about it. And my partner got really squeamish about it, and I did not have the heart to tell her that us using, like, tea bags is not helping. Because um, tea bags are just filled with microplastics. Um, which is why you should use loose leaf tea, everyone. It's much better for your body in that regard. But this concept of a virus that feeds off plastics, I think, is just really, really good. Um, and I like the way that they balanced it, all these. I... I always enjoy when randos encounter the um, companions in just weird situations and how, wait, why are you here? And it's just like, don't worry about it. We're just here because someone told us to be here. <laughs> and it's just like, I always, en- I always enjoy this. I do. I enjoy when randos meet the companions and are very confused by everything that is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think all of that's good. Um, I do think that there's like the little twist with the well-equipped lab I thought worked really, really well. Um, I'm not crazy, but the fact that we don't care that that one black guy just died on the beach and we're never going to talk about it or mention him ever again. Yeah. by the birds. He was one of the about people it. who brought Praxius, uh, I thought. I thought I figured he was a co-conspirator. Oh. Which is because okay. he was working with her at the, the lab. Um which is why right. I was more okay with it when that reveal came. But yeah, also, they... I don't think he was, though, is the thing. I think okay. he's just... Yeah, I think he was a local that was helping in the lab, thinking he was doing something else. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely the ending, when the three go happily off, I was like, uh, first of all, you're on the wrong continent. Second of all, um, yeah. like, your friend just died horribly yeah. in, like... Just the other day. It has not been enough yeah. time. You should not be happily chirping about, like, now we'll do three, whatever, traveling, whatever. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> like, being swept up in all the things, everything going on, like, fair enough. And th- But then when it's over, ha- the- she should have had a moment of, like, I have to go tell her family that she's dead right. or s- anything. <laughs> like, yeah. that would have really, really been a-, a-, a better way to end that instead of just, like, cheerfully waving off to the the TARDIS because that just felt so tonally like oblivious right right and I think it speaks larger to the fact that they really wanted to hammer home this thing about plastics pollution and that kind of thing and I appreciate that at the same time (laughs) also do that with character (laughs) do that with character and acknowledge that and think about how like your whole globe trotting thing can address that like feed into a character thing and like there's a number of ways to do that but instead it's wow yeah no aliens right (laughs) no no not aliens right dead people your friend that one rando guy 
Um, but yeah, if this had just not come on the heels of Orphan Fifty Five, I think it would have. I wouldn't have been like as much of a. Am I watching Captain Planet? Um, <laughs> Doctor Planet. Um, but at the same time, I do acknowledge the fact that these are all very important things to address, and we should be addressing them. But maybe space them out a bit better. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, if Orphan Fifty Five was an awesome episode if it had been right. a great episode there's that, also that you can yeah. just also there's... do it better yeah the only other thing that i had is that i also appreciate this episode also airs with schitt's creek week mm-hmm. of the birds attacking the movie yeah theater. and yeah. it's just like oh all the synergy this week on our shows kate all the synergy this week on our shows um i've been talking for a little while do you have anything to add did i miss something are you in? Are you into how into the ladies that Ryan? How into <laughs> Ryan the ladies are that pop up on this season? It's been entertaining, um, but uh, yeah, the only other thing I would add is that the little beat with Yaz um, is interesting. I don't know if that's just a moment like of of a performance or if that's he- heading somewhere else. But she seemed truly upset that she. Like or like this, she seemed like she felt like she had something taken away from her when she found out that she was, she had not actually discovered a planet yes. on her own. And like there was a level, like a just a level of resentment into in the tone of the performance that I was surprised by, and that felt like it was worth noting. It felt like something that they're going to build with, um, or so not wanting to be a like a hanger on or a companion, but like go on her own adventures, you know. Yeah. So. We'll see. We'll see what's coming with that. But I liked how much time they gave that choice. That, like, yes. they, they really... Because I was assuming, like, you don't know if there's atmosphere. You don't know what you're doing. That's a terrible idea. Um, and But I liked that they did take, like, have her fully understand that and still push the button. Um, as opposed to usually they would have the character recklessly just, like, chase yeah. after, you know? Um, so that feels like a very different motivation and uh reaction or, or like a very different use of a companion moment like that so we'll see where that's headed i'm certainly intrigued but yeah, yeah. it was uh it was an entertaining and strange uh, episode and i i still enjoyed the crows on Shit's creek a little bit more but they were yeah. definitely creepy here <laughs> over on the flash we had marathon um and it was yet another guys did you know oliver's dead <laughs> Oliver, all dead, and we're we're still dealing with it. Um, so there was a lot of stuff here that I actually quite enjoyed, and I like what we may be getting with Iris. I'm intrigued by some of that. Uh, I like some hints. Who I mean? I feel like she w- had to have been on the phone with Lois Lane, right? When she was like, "Bye, friend," and like they're talking about journalism stuff. I was like, "Oh, they're gonna make her be friends with Lois," and I'm super down for it. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Lois Okara. Like those mm-hmm. are her journalist friends. <laughs> yeah, and just like the notion of like the Earth Prime, and you've got Lois Lane and Iris Stalin and Cara Danvers, and like Lois Lane's already such a big deal um, in the established mythology, even though we haven't seen it. And then Cara just got the Pulitzer, <laughs> and Iris is like nipping at their heels, and I just it's just it's awesome, super fun. Um, so yeah, the the show has not yet dealt with the emotional fallout for Iris of everything. And it looks like we're going to get some of that next episode. I'm looking forward to that. But I thought having a, a, like, let's have everybody reestablish what's, you know, where we're at post-crisis um, was, was a good way to, to do that. I liked Cisco's freak out as a good, as good way of any writing, um, right. Writing the character off for a little bit. Um, I like that. They also established no superpowers, not back. <laughs> 
So in case you're wondering, but um, but yeah, having a pared down cast, I thought was good. Uh, even if they're going to bring Dig on, and having it really center on on Iris and on Barry and on um, Cisco, basically, um, with Frost and Caitlin s- s- being supporting and Joe being supporting and the rest of the citizen. Um, and Camille being supporting, I think I think that was good. The cast is unhelpfully large at this point on Flash, um, so streamlining a bit I think was smart. And we'll see what comes next. What did What did you think of Marathon? So I like you. I like this episode. I think there there's a number of things to enjoy in it. I like this concept of no, but we did redid the Earth, and now all the metas are back and they're different. And none of our friends are back. I finally somebody freaked out or, yes, or like in like, a meaningful way about Harry and Jesse. Right, exactly. And I think that that's really, really good. Even though Earth, all the Earths are back, they're just on different frequencies now. Yeah. We have to figure that out. Yeah. But I appreciated the acknowledgement of that finally and that we're, we're grappling with that. And I like that it's Cisco that's very directly the one dealing with that because Harry is like his best friend. No offense to literally Barry and everyone else, but it's Harry. Um, so that, that, that fallout I think is really, really important, but also just the fact that he has all those trading cards, is just <laughs> the best thing. Um, but I think that this is a good way to, like you said, rights go out for a little while. Um, since Carlos Valdez has been rumored to be making noises about wanting to leave. Um, but also does he talk to his partner at all? No, we don't see that happen. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird to me. And I can't remember her name because I still haven't learned it yet. And I apologize. Um, But yeah, he doesn't talk to her about that. And that seems weird for, I'm going to go across the country and figure out what's going on with me and the world. Also, why can't he do that from Central City? I don't know. But at at the same time, I also liked having a map of the United States and seeing where all the cities were for heroes. I liked that. I liked Friedland being in the Southeast, which... Thank God it's in the Southeast because it literally could only be in the Southeast or Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, basically the only two places it could have been. Um, so I was happy about that. Um, and I like the idea that Star City's like in Oregon mm-hmm. um, to which I go, yeah, you guys, you, you earned that. You earned that. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, so that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think that it's good. I like that this allows them to sort of reboot a number of their rogues gallery which i think is good because after six seasons they've run through them which is why like having the mccullough industries come in and like we're gonna do mirror master and we're gonna do mirror master right this time (laughs) um hopefully knock on wood because i love mirror master um and like i was just like waiting for it the entire time i was just like oh mccullough I know that name. Something bad's going to happen. Oh, it's just a big mirror. Something very, very bad is about to happen now. Um, So I'm eager to see what all that gets played out um, here. And only tangentially related because we've talked about the Arrowverse shows, hiring people who just do stunt work from Spartacus Arrow in particular. The the very not obviously Jesse L. Martin falling to the ground (laughs) in that scene. I appreciate that because they don't want to hurt Jaseel Martin. <laughs> Dude's already been hurt. Yeah. Um, they don't want to hurt him again, but it was also 
very much not Jesse L. Martin on a number of different tells. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to hurt Jesse L. Martin because mm-hmm. then you lose Jesse L. Martin for like half your season. You don't want to do that again. Yeah, no. But I think that this is a good reset. Um, one thing, Kate, that I really, really need to ask you about. Okay. Do you think that Black Hole and Leviathan are one and the same? Or are they warring different organizations? <laughs> I Here's the thing. I don't care. Yeah, no, that's the problem. I don't care either. Even a little. I like that there is, I mean, is there a tech meta on this that we've, like, that we're waiting for who's going to, like, get that broken flash drive and be like, I can still access the data. Well, I I mean, technically, yes. They just have to go to Freeland to get them. (laughs) Yes, obviously. But I mean, like, that we've seen on Flash that I'm forgetting about. Um... Because, like, no, we all know they're not so. going to go to Freeland. Just, like, Freeland's right. not going to come to them. Right, no. There's definitely been a technopath, but I can't think of who it was. Mm-hmm. So. Not anybody for a while, at least. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm waiting for that. I like that there are our answers just sitting right there, and once they have the ability to access them on the flash drive. Um, but, yeah, like, and, and the tease that, oh, it's not what we thought. That's more interesting, because what... Yeah, we thought was boring, but like, you know, boilerplate at least. Um, So the having like the flash does not need Supergirl's problems. Let's just right. Exactly. Exactly. It does not. Yeah. So but I did like this reconception of Dr. Light, which even for this show is a little bit of a deep cut because they used Dr. Light so early. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. No, they did. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens with it. But I, I thought the gun was fun. I thought, it, I mean, what did you think of the uh, new credits? We we're going to talk about that with Legends, but like, like it feels very like they're go- embracing the 80s. I, they are very embracing the 80s, but I also like that both new credit sequences are basically exactly the same, mm-hmm. yeah. just stylistically different, but they're exactly the same. And I'm just like, so even though we have new credit sequences that aren't the just the title card, they're still the same. Mm-hmm. Arrowverse just never change just never change <laughs> uh, okay well we will have likely more thoughts on the on, on yeah. Flash and I just hope Supergirl and Batwoman get them too yes I would assume when they come back on, on Sunday that there will be yeah I was surprised that they waited a couple episodes for that to happen but they're like we're not gonna do it with Crisis we're gonna do it after Arrow ends yeah so eh, whatever um, more on that next week should there be discussions worth having about supergirl and batwoman fingers crossed that there will be let's go to our last episode of the week and that's legends of tomorrow miss me kiss me uh, love me and obviously the highlight of the episode is poison yes obviously it's amazing delightful it took i was like as soon as you hear that 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 drum lick right that 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 beat at the beginning dum, bum, bum, dum, it's like <gasps> and then and then then you hear the remix and you're like wait yeah right this is they're not doing some weird mashup right this is no this is the song and then we cut away because like legends would have ava be an amazing singer sure and like magically everybody knows the song sure that's the thing that they would do instead what they do is just so much better and i i i so appreciate i love uh sarah watching ava in her own world and just just like and making her lover all the more it's just absolutely delightful it's just legends never change never change yeah that's the thing like just don't change legends like keep just being real weird and also maybe change gray's perception of the police force but otherwise never change (laughs) um it's just it's no i think that that whole like all right we're gonna do a fantasy sequence but then it's she's just so drunk 
Yeah. <laughs> She's just so drunk. Yeah. And but like you said, like this idea that it just makes Sarah love her more, I think it's just or like really just finds another like layer of oh, she's sloppy. Yeah, my partner's sloppy and I love it. And it's just, it's good. It's very good. Well, yeah, and it's just like, she's, you know, like, I'm not gonna, I don't feel embarrassed. She's going right, through a lot exactly. right now. And she's, yeah. right now she's happy and that's great. And that I support yeah. that. That's awesome. It takes courage yeah. to get up in front of a mic. That's awesome. And she, and she did what I told her to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she yeah, she, she caused a stir at the bar. She did exactly <laughs> what I asked her to do. It doesn't always have to be a fight. <laughs> Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so I think that, that just was really, really good. And I think it's telling that that's what we're focusing on because the rest of the episode is fine. There's some solid shenanigans. Um, Matt Ryan slipping into that just god awful American accent. <laughs> um, it's just good. It's just good. It's just really, really good. Um, and also like this uh, immediate assumption of you've got a cop face and it's just like, well, does have a cop face <laughs> um also it was very good but i think that this was also like understandably needing to do some table setting to for astra and a new position for her and how and also providing a little bit more understanding of the stakes of all right well no if we get rid of them they just can come back so we have to figure out a different way of dealing with them so it's all right well we can keep rasputin <laughs> in condiment jars um <laughs> But we're going to shoot Bugsy with the magic gun and we're going to use up all the bullets so we can't do that again. So I like this whole thing of like, we're going to have to come up with ways of dealing with our encores, basically. Yeah. And I like that. And so the quick ways in which we're dealing with that, I think on a narrative level, I think is really, really good. Um, What did you think about Zari? Yeah. um, hmm. I think Tyler Ash is having a lot of fun. God, she's having so much fun. It I think it makes sense. Yeah. But I don't care for or about this Zari even a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Um, I, I like the little glimpses we're getting of just how smart and and with it she is. Yes. Um, and that's to down to Ash and some of the writing, but mostly Ash for me. Yes. Um, but I'm a need I'm a need her to get her memories back like stat i need that okay. we, we need john is what we need and we and even though i don't know if it's something that he can fix because it's about i don't time think it written. is something he can fix because yeah. it's a timeline issue uh, yeah it's really frustrating it's it's the same issue you know we're going to talk about the good place in just a little bit here it's the same issue i have with the good place writing as characters that until they get their memories back they are a different character than the ones we've been invested in and right Yes, there are ways to do that that are interesting, but I just want them to be back. They can be this new stuff too, but they yeah. need to also have the old memories. They need to at least incorporate both. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, what did you think? I think it's fine. Um, I will say that I've seen the next two episodes already. Oh, okay. Jealous. Um, I'm jealous. Yeah, you should be. Um, <laughs> and Zari gets a lot to do in episode five. Okay. Um, ahead of her time mm-hmm. um, for multiple reasons um, and that I think work really really well and mm-hmm. demonstrate the value that this already has in a lot of ways um, but and I think we just get inklings of it here basically and understandably so but I like that there are little bits of 
that the, the social media influencer business tycoon is sort of still like a mask or persona mm-hmm. uh, similar to the way that Zari had that I don't need anyone tough person yeah. persona that she grappled with when she first joined the team of that kind of a thing that there's this element to it as well that I like that's a good through line on a performative level of who Zari is as someone who hides who she is on certain levels and I like that as a concept and I think that the difference here is that this Zari doesn't necessarily want to embrace that inner person. Mm-hmm. And so we get to see that play out a little bit in the next couple of episodes, particularly again, episode five, I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly, because next week's episode, next week's episode is the homage to 80 slasher movies. And it's just so silly and very good. <laughs> Um, and okay. also Courtney Ford finally comes back, which is really nice. Um, so um, Nora comes back finally. Um, so yeah, I think that there's, I think that I like what they're, this soft introduction of this new Zari, I think works really well, but then they just build on it, I think in really productive ways, but I'm going to be curious to see how you feel about it um, over the next couple of weeks. Okay. Okay, well, then we'll see. Uh, we will report back listeners. I'm sure we'll have other things to say as well. Um, but yeah, no, I really... I really enjoy it. You know what? You know I love a noir, right? This yeah, is like this- no, and I do too, is the thing. It's just like, yeah, this episode's kind of nonsense, but at the same time, I love the fact that they just keep re- reusing this one Art Deco bar from uh-huh. both the 1947s and Hell, because yeah. it's the one bar they have. Well, and just like Sarah randomly knowing all this old-timey slang, <laughs> I'm here yes! for it. Yes. You know, like, absolutely. It's just delightful. It's super fun. Yeah. And, yeah. It's nice to have the legends back. Uh, well, what won your week in TV this week? Um, I think I'm going to give it to Legends of Tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. if only for Poison, because it's such a good both sequence and joke, mm-hmm. um, but also just such a good moment for um, Sarah and Ava. So I'll give it to Legends of Tomorrow. What about you? Yeah, same for me. It was, it was delightful. It was really fun. I... I, like, I stopped watching. I was like, okay, note to self, putting this in the notes. We are definitely using this song. Thank you, yes. TV, for making my life easy this week. Um, yeah, though I did also really enjoy Stumptown and a couple others. Yeah. But yeah, giving it to Legends this week. Now we will take a break, listen to a trailer for season one, because there are no trailers for season four, because of obvious spoiler reasons, and then come back and talk about The Good Place. We'll start with the finale and then branch out for a larger discussion of the series as a whole. We'll be back right after this. You, Eleanor Shellstrop, are dead. Cool. How did I die? Are you sure you want to hear? You were struck by a truck advertising an erectile dysfunction pill called Engorgulate. Funnily enough, the first EMT to arrive was an ex-boyfriend of yours. Okay, that's, I get it, thank you. You're okay, Eleanor. You're in the good place. You are here because you got innocent people off death row. Soulmate. Cool, bring it in, man. You'll stand by my side no matter what, right? Of course I will. I wasn't a lawyer. There's been a big mistake. I'm not supposed to be here. Wait, what? Are you sure this isn't you? They got my name right, but nothing else. Somebody royally forked up. Why can't I say fork? If you're trying to curse, you can't hear. That's bullshit. Tell me one good thing that you did on Earth. Do you have a second to talk about the environment? Do you have a second to eat my farts? Oh, 
can't risk going to the bad place. Okay, well, maybe it's not all that bad. We'll ask Janet. Hey, Janet. Hi there. How can I help you? What is the bad place like? I can only play you a brief audio clip of what is happening there right now. Well, it doesn't sound awesome. Hello. Can I just say, I love your house. It's just so teensy. Oh, That was a season one trailer for The Good Place. And uh, yeah, Noel, trying to find what like what I was going to use for the lead into this, what trailer would actually work was challenging because listeners, we are going to spoil everything. Yeah, like we're not going to dance around anything. We're not dancing. No, it doesn't make any sense. Pre-spoiler discussion. No, I kind of can't. So if you have not watched The Good Place, we both recommend it. Yes. Yes. Even if the last season's has problems yeah we'll, we'll even if the last season is a different show which it is yeah uh we recommend it go watch it then come back and listen but uh we'll be spoiling everything so let's <laughs> kick things off Noel, with the finale uh whenever you're ready uh or when you're ready so the we had a two-part episode as soon as it became clear what the the good place was and the fact that there was a door there and the title was when you're ready i think we all knew what this episode was going to be and I thought it was a lovely, beautiful episode, um, and it was very emotional, certain parts, and it, I wasn't laughing, but I didn't really care all that much. For me, The Good Place has really transitioned from being the funniest show I watch every week to being a show I really enjoy and connect with, but I think of more of as a dramedy than a comedy, and mm-hmm. when I became comfortable with that shift, I'm totally on board with that, I'm totally okay with that. Um, and I kind of wish I had come to terms with that sooner. <laughs> so on those terms, I really liked the finale. Uh, what did you think? I also like, I think the finale is kind of a capital F fine. Mm-hmm. Like there are large parts that I really, really like in it. Um, and it's weird for me to say that because I think that there's plenty of things that should appeal to me in a lot of ways. And the things that do appeal to me hit me really hard and really well. Um, but then there's also just the fact that for me, there's two like big glaring things that we can get to that. I understand why they don't address because they don't fit with what the show is at this point. And also they don't fit with what the show wants to say anymore. Um, that they, there's just no room for that. And instead they do other things. Um, But I still really like the finale in a lot of ways. Um, But I also, for me, it just peaks very, very early. And then everything else just kind of like isn't as good as that first departure for Mm -hmm. me. Um, Nothing. It's so weird. Like nothing tops like everything. I'm fine with everything. But like Jason just gutted me i don't know why or how mm-hmm. um and i so do you just want to like take these in order yeah, let's I guess? go let's go so like 
I think that a lot of it, like I talked about this with my partner a little bit um, after we finished. And one of the things that she wisely pointed out is that one of the reasons why the Jason thing probably hit both of us um, as hard as it did was the fact that it's directly connected to Janet, who mm-hmm. is probably both of our favorite characters. Um easily my partner's favorite character um but i think also a lot of it has to do with just how really the show has done really well by jason in terms of the degree of both complexity and just charm that both comes from the writing but also from um manny Hasito's performance and just that fact of he got the <laughs> perfect game in madden finally mm-hmm. and that was like that was it. And then just this sense of the air inside me matching the air outside of me. And it's just like, it's perfect. It's lovely. It's perfect. It's so good. Um, that it just, it just really hit me really hard in a really good way of like, this is a guy who is just deeply in touch with what it he needs basically in a lot of ways. And he always has been, which is why he's just like always needing wings or all this stuff. He knows exactly what he wants and what he needs. And then for him to realize it first and to hit it first, I think is just really kind of chef's kiss perfect. And just, and then that he lasted so many bear remains just being a monk. (laughs) (laughs) I just really, really liked it. And for me, like that was the best bit of, kind of the whole episode apart from Chidi's like cycle a little bit and we'll get to that in a second so that's how I kind of felt about that one it was that it was the best one it was the one that hit me the hardest and it was the one that I felt like was sort of like the best encapsulation of the show in all its various tones because it's also like legitimately the funniest bit of like he got his whole dance crew back mm-hmm. and just all this stuff I think is just I thought it was just really really delightful um and also the fact that just it was in his pocket the whole time. <laughs> so how did you feel about Jason's um, departure? I thought it was nice. Yeah. I was like, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it did not hit me anywhere near like it did you. Yeah. But I, I thought it made sense. I thought that it was well done. I thought that it was very fitting and appropriate. I liked the attention and care given to the, that relationship. And, and just really making sure that they gave Janet her due. Um. And show, like, highlighted the difference between her experience and all of this and our rest of the rest of our main character's experience. I thought that was, and and then really connecting that to her different experience of time, I thought was really appropriate and, and very impactful. Uh, for me, the, the, the Jason pops out from behind the tree thing, um, felt like that didn't really work for me. I thought the idea of, of like oh and he's just oh it's kind of like you were being a monk kind of thing first of all it was perfect that he didn't get it uh, that was great but um i thought it was a little too cute by half and it really just felt like they wanted they wanted to have many just in tow in the last episode and so they're like <laughs> so we're gonna send him off but he's not actually off so that he can pop up for one more scene at the for the end and that for me it was just like nowhere near as impactful as the first goodbye Sure. Even if like the idea is 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 nice and all, but it just felt like a underwhelming. Even though I appreciated how different like the "Hey, dude, wait up" thing was. Yeah. Um. It, it was just like it was just sort of like a. Oh, also this, you know, after which I thought because I thought the first scene was more impactful. Sure. Um, sure. Sure. And and maybe that 
is what they were going for. Maybe like, like, no, not, we're not going to give Jason Mendoza a profound emotional last goodbye. We're going to give him a silly and um, sweet last goodbye instead. Um, Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's appropriate, but yeah, I was just like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So next we had Tahani. Right. So we have Tahani and, I think once again, Tani has been given the short end of the stick. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, I, on a narrative level, I like this. I like them zigzagging on us with no Eleanor is not going to be an architect. Tahani is, and I like that as a concept. I think that's really good because it feeds into the whole party planning thing of like, oh, I can just plan how people get better. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also the Nick Offerman cameo. Yeah, <laughs> and so I really like that, but I just. I was very frustrated by the lack of like time that we got to see with her and Camilla and her parents Mm -hmm. and how central that has been in terms of Tahani coming to self-actualization about herself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like that not giving to me what felt like equal time was frustrating for me, Um, Mm -hmm. especially in a season that I feel like she as a character really kind of suffered um in terms of having stuff to do but also like having an arc of some kind this season that because like her whole anxiety about like what am i here for what am i doing as part of this group never really fully got resolved and while i think that this is a way to sort of acknowledge that by saying she's just going to stay here and work as an architect i think is a neat concept but i just don't think that there's I just don't felt like she had as enough of a conclusion compared to everyone else, even Jason with his double conclusion. Mm-hmm. That it was just kind of a, the work is never done kind of thing, which I think is an end in and of itself, but it just, emotionally, I don't know that I felt good about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel emotionally good about all the other ones. Um, how did you feel about it? Oh, I thought it was fine. And okay. I liked it more than you did. I agree, though, that Tahani's gotten short shrift all season. Because it was, it was like, as soon as they had paired all the other couples off and then and really had, aside from that, there, then there was Tahani and they didn't know what to do with her. And then there was Michael and they very much paired him with Eleanor around all of his development. They just like, well, if if we're not going to do relationship stuff with Tahani, like the way that we're doing with Chidi, what are we possibly going to do with this character? And they just stopped ex- being curious about her. At least that's how it felt yeah. all season. It was really frustrating. So I like that she got a different ending than we expected. Um, I like I like that they, you know, were able to then to incorporate her back around with this stuff with Mindy St. Clair. Um, but yeah. You know, I and again, I definitely liked it a lot more than you did. But the the fact, like, I have a larger question mark, or, or it's not really a question mark. It's just a, it's a minor frustration that I guess I need to. I should just get over because uh, the characters do. But it it bothers me that eventually Michael's gonna get past this test and get to the good place, and maybe Tahani will be there. Mm-hmm. That bothers me. Yeah. Um, and probably she won't, based on the fact that that wasn't enough of a reason for Eleanor to stay. Mm-hmm. So why would it be enough of a reason for Tahani to stay? Yeah. And I think that's sad. And I don't think, I think they very intentionally don't want us to be sad <laughs> when we're watching right. this. Um, yeah. And saying they don't intentionally don't want us to be sad about this kind of thing, I think gets into something, one of my issues with this finale. Mm-hmm. And you sort of addressed it with 
um, in the Jason departure, but I don't think that they do well enough by Janet in addressing how legitimately sad this is Mm -hmm. as the eternal being of all of them that they're gone basically. And I don't think that there's room for that sadness really to really be expressed or explored. And again, like this concept of her sort of being, um like dr manhattan in a way yeah of experiencing all the timelines at once um doesn't it just doesn't click for me in a way that i really kind of wanted it to and i found that really frustrating because again like when michael does get there janet will be there but then he's going to leave eventually again and that 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 those degrees of things of loneliness for Janet just don't get expressed. And this, I just, I feel really kind of flummoxed by that on a show level, but it's because they don't want us to be sad in that existential way. Yeah. They want us to be sad in a very different sort of way. Yeah. Um, And not an existential way about our not human, mm-hmm. not mortal, I should say, not mortal, because I don't know what, I don't know what Michael is by the end yeah. of this, but I just, I think that there's a degree of loneliness and sadness that comes through in some of the Jason stuff with Janet, but doesn't get fully expressed. And I think that there's just, I'm just, I really, it's, it bothers me mm-hmm. a little bit in this, that there's not space for that. Um, even if there are acknowledgments of it, we just don't get to see her grapple her. We don't get to see Janet grapple with it. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, not a her. Um, (laughs) the, and and again, that's, it's putting a very human template onto a non-human character. Right. Yeah. But also like, fair enough, but also the second most advanced of Janet's because Derek is. Yeah. The singularity now? Yeah, I don't Derek know. is something else <laughs> entirely. Yeah. Um, well, and also it doesn't track with the other things we saw over the course of the series as well. Yeah. Because if they always intended that, then we wouldn't have been seeing different, like, her being all jealous of Jason and Tahani. Right. And like, you know, like, it's a retcon. But it was a beautiful yeah. scene, so I'm going to give it to them. Um, yeah. But as far as Tahani, I like that that... You know, the the way it was basically, it felt like her being a monk, right? Her Jason being a monk thing was now she's going to be helping people. Um, But for whatever reason, they didn't then cut to the end of of that for her. We left before. So because we were were with Eleanor, so we left before Tahani left. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just, I was, I thought it was interesting what they wanted to spend time on and what they didn't. And I would rather have spent less time with, like, I would rather have not had the second Jason thing and had more mm-hmm. time with Tahani and, and yeah. Camilla. Yeah. Um, personally, that's me. But I imagine everybody who watched has has different, you know, priorities yeah. with those as well. Um, let's go on to Chidi, which I thought was obviously, for me, for me, it was obviously the best scene of even probably the whole season was that ocean wave scene, which I just can't even think about without like starting to tear up. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I think that the, like it all comes down to William Harper Jackson's delivery of that mm-hmm. is like the gold that they find. Cause like that whole concept I think is like very central um, to Buddhism, but that idea of ephemerality type of thing. Um, but the way in which he delivers it and then 
the context in which it is delivered by having like it be connected to their final goodbye that we got in the previous episode, um, which feels much more like a goodbye than this does um, in certain ways. Like it, a more traditional TV goodbye finale last week and then this sort of light version of the Six Feet Under finale this week. Um it's just it's just really lovely. I I absolutely agree. And I, th- I also like the way that it kind of feeds into both of their characters as well of like Eleanor realizes that oh, he's leaving. I need to convince him not to leave type of thing. Um but also the fact that no, he decided to leave like Baramis ago. Yeah. <laughs> and just stuck around. Um which I also think is very cheaty. Oh, it's so um, cheaty. Yeah. Um, because I would do that, (laughs) um, in this situation, (laughs) um, that I, I just, I really liked it. And I liked also that it tied, he tied it directly to Jason's description of things as well. Again, really kind of cementing like the bond that between the two of them that formed over the course of all of these Baramies. Um, so yeah, it's just really sweet. And I like that they got to go to Athens (laughs) because... Mm-hmm. My partner and I were playing. Is that a green screen? <laughs> it's hard to tell. It looks like a green screen. Oh no, they actually went to Athens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, no, it's really sweet. It's really nice and lovely. But I like how it like fed into Eleanor coming to grips with all the stuff that they've she's learned over the course of the show, and also them getting back to Scanlan as sort of like their foundational text. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, no, we could just spend eons trying to justify this to one another, but it's not always going to work. So we can't. So I can't find a way for this not to be selfish. So you have to leave. Uh-huh. And yeah. I really like that as a concept. Yeah. And really emphasizing the impact they've had on the, on each other. Yeah. Uh, and, and ending the last note being that ridiculous calendar is a yes. lovely way that to, to like underscore <laughs> how much Eleanor has meant to him and the yes. ways like how essential uh, while I am, you know, I'm not a Eleanor TV shipper, but how essential their relationship has been to him and getting him to relax and become himself and be more confident and be silly and take himself less seriously and how important that was for him to be the centered, you know, ultimate mm-hmm. version of Chidi that we see, um, yeah. you know, in the good place after he wakes back up. Um, okay. Now, Michael, I mean, I'm fine with it. Like, I think it's sort of like, it's what they've been driving to since season two of Michael is now, quote unquote, a real boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting through all that. Um, it's fine. I like it as a concept. I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of cheating working Mary Steenburgen in there. I don't but care. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, and I love it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was about to say. It's just like, but I don't care because it's perfect and lovely and, and working her in with music is so perfect. For those who don't know, Google Mary Steenburgen music. There's like a whole thing. Yeah. So I think that all of that like provides a really nice sort of way of having me suddenly be very invested in this thing of like, oh no, now he gets to do all the things he's wanted to do, including get a rewards card and take it sleazy. And mm. also his last name is Michael Real Man. And it's just... <laughs> I feel like we could have done better with the last name. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but all the degrees in which he gets to be human, I think is really, really great. But I also think that 
he has Michael has to be the world's best friend mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of dealing with shit. Yeah. Um with Shark. Um yeah. because he's just had so many baromies of helping people through other stuff. It's just like, no. He has to be the best at dealing with stuff. So I I liked it, but it was also like the one I kind of didn't care the most about. Mm-hmm. Because it was just like, no, th- this is this is sort of like the ultimate button redemption sort of thing. Because we couldn't redeem Brent. Mm-hmm. Because he still hasn't gotten it yet. <laughs> but what if they really would be look better if they smiled? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want to talk about Brent and like my other one large issue with this finale after we've sort of like gotten through everyone. But I do... I, I, I like it. It's very sweet. How did you feel about it then? Oh, I really liked it just because yeah. of the, I mean, I thought it, it made sense. It, like this whole episode, this whole finale was like, yep, that's what the Good Place finale should be. Uh, yeah. That's really yes. what it, it felt like the ultimate and inevitable conclusion of the series, which is why I think it it was, I had less of a dramatic Im- like relationship yes. with it. It had less of a dramatic impact on me uh, outside of just a few of those really potent scenes because it was like, well, what else could it have been? Right. So it was just more of like a uh, an emotional and satisfying and appropriate. Yep. Well, that was, that was just exactly what it should be. And uh, versus something that really like that really stunned or really impacted. Like I will remember this episode fondly for a long time, but I, it will not, it be in my list of best or most memorable finales either because it just maybe that's not fair to it but just because it just so fully is what you expect and what you the show needs it to be yeah Uh, and that's very much what michael's journey is here yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um so eleanor eleanor yeah Yeah. i like that she's the only one who you don't get a sense that it's time right she doesn't know what else to do yeah I like that level of uh, that measure of uncertainty. Yeah, I do too. And like, that's the thing I think that works kind of best about it is like, for someone like Eleanor, the good place is actually sort of an endless fulfillment kind of deal um, that she can still enjoy to a certain degree, even without Chidi. Like it's, it's something that can work for her. Um, But also this idea of like, no, there's something left. There's something I need to do. And it's fixed the other version of me, the medium place person that I should have been in the old system. I need to, I need to fix Mindy. And I don't like, I like it as like a concept um, of like, I need to fix Mindy um, and get her into the system because she should be, she should have this as well. She shouldn't be in the medium place anymore. Not when we've revamped this system. Um, so I like that as like a, like a self-reflection, literally kind of, of like, this is who I would have been, but now I don't have to be, and you shouldn't have to be either type of thing. So thank you for watching me have sex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I like that as a concept, but it also speaks to like this final bit of altruism that has been like the big thing about Eleanor's journey of like bettering herself is by helping everyone else around her. And I like that as a concept. So I, I liked it down to the fact that the her like last act as a light sparkle is having someone take their mail to the right thing, which is such a simple thing to do, people. Like I mm-hmm. don't understand why you why you would throw that away. But just take it. If it's close by, just take it. Like I did that for like a person whose house was like 
two blocks from me. Because it was just, they put in the wrong thing, and I get it. But they really needed their wine club membership stuff. <laughs> and I'm not going to deny someone that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, Well, and, you know, it's just such a little thing, but it's such a simple way that you can be kind to someone yes. else. And it's right. it, and it's not asking too much, uh, which like that is exactly the kind of thing she would not have done. Exactly. Before. So yeah. it's a good like it's it's a nice very base ground level like example yes. of of her progress. I mean, even just going back to was that one of the early flashbacks of her like littering, right? Yes. And, and not walking to pick it up, and you know, so like it was a it was a good callback and and, and effective, yeah, yeah. And so I think that kind of leads to, like, the one other large thing, like, Mm -hmm. with this idea of, like, the one act of kindness, the little bit that we see with Brent here, is that the the largest problem I have here is that there's a inherent sort of understanding of kindness as the central conceit here that is uncomplicated in the entire run of the finale, down to Sean basically being reformed but resisting it. Um... And, but being reformed, like he's clinging to that persona, but at the same time, he's just all in on this. And that kind of becomes like a large problem for me when I think about like, we get to see Brent, but I think about the fact that we don't get to see Trevor at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, Trevor would not be down for any of this. He would burn it all down. Like all of it. Yeah. Like he's just too bad place to roll with any of this. Yeah. And it's not an issue of Adam Scott isn't available because maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But because Trevor undermines this whole concept as a character. And I think that the the fact that there's not room for that is a problem in mm-hmm. terms of, no, like we can have Brent and Brent's weird and not harmless, but harmless. Mm-hmm. Trevor is not harmless. Yeah. He's awful and terrible. Mm-hmm. But there's not room for him to be addressed in this total reorganization of the universe. And what happens to him? And what happens to that kind of a, a philosophy? Does he have to go through all of this? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an issue of, like, we've reorganized the universe and the ways in which we've done it are beautiful and elegant and speaks to the power of when the people who are most impacted by something get a chance to rebuild it. It turns into something really good, but then we don't deal with the bad actors that are in it in any way, shape or form. And I think that's a big problem, particularly with the end of this season, because Sean's never a legitimate threat this season. No. And the fact that the finale just never can, doesn't want to provide an answer for it because it wants to really emphasize kindness, but it also doesn't want to emphasize ineffectual well-meaning with the actual good place people who just don't exist anymore Mm -hmm. and trevor who is bad and would not be down for any of this how do you feel about this because i it's like been bothering me for a week (laughs) (laughs) well it's a fundamental difference in philosophy with uh, ourselves and the Mm -hmm. showrunners i think because this is a finale and a setup in the good place and and everything in the afterlife that assumes a baseline ability and interest in goodness and kindness right. from everyone yes and and that's really nice and i really appreciate that not but <laughs> true yeah. um and and it's i mean it's this is why 
hard to come up with answers. <laughs> so it makes life so complicated. This would be very simple. If that was you know, life, that would be much easier. But there are people that, you know, there are people that enjoy vicious cruelty. And that's something that I don't know that the show did, did, had no interest in bringing up or addressing. Is that something that gets like, that's like a fluke of your rebirth? Is it something yeah. that they mind wipe out of it? And they're saying that it, that that is something that's learned behavior, like versus, you know, nature nurture. Um, but this is not a system that takes that into consideration, that takes people who actively, like Trevor, who actively want to burn it all down just for yeah. that um, into the equation um, or just assumes that they can be fixed or yes. they can be won over um, with enough patience and enough time. And that works for the show, but that's just not how people, as in my opinion, everybody has a different opinion. In my opinion, a very small percentage of people, but a certain percentage of people has what the reality is and the show was not prepared or interested in engaging with that right and i think that that speaks to like um something like i mean dennis perkins who did the review has covered the good place since it started Mm -hmm. and like wrote the finale go check out his reviews guys yeah no they're really good and his recap for the finale i think is really good but he does like make a point that this finale is not as hard a philosophy lesson as previous episodes have been and i think that's very much by design but it also speaks to kind of the weird weaknesses of this season that it's had issues grappling with its central premise and we can i guess open up the rest of the season is that bettering people through this through a system works when you have good faith actors basically and are sort of like willing to like invest in it, basically. Um, again, it kind of goes down to finding a moral justification for things that we can all agree upon, um, what we owe to one another. And I think that this season in particular just kind of struggled with dramatizing that. And to your point, became more of a dramedy than a comedy, but also struggled with finding a way of really making that a compelling exploration of things while still getting to this final point of but what if we do purgatory and reincarnation and they sort of remember things a little bit without citing our sources mm-hmm. <laughs> um which is still something that bugs the tar out of me about this but again mm. so i think that that the show just wants to really emphasize a meaningful kindness as opposed to a an ineffectual kindness that's represented by the whatchamacallit, Paul Shearer-led good place people before they abdicate mm-hmm. in fear and just, we don't know how to fix it. Because, again, Schur is making a really heavy-handed point and has been very open about that. That I just, there's not space for really fully, I think, diving into it. And they do try to make gestures with it with when Brent and trying to make Brent realize that he's terrible. And they do right at the end before everything gets shut down. Like there's the little spike. Um, But at the same time, it's also clearly not working because he's still there. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that that sort of like demonstrated like the limitations of this season in that they really did sort of want to do a full on philosophical interrogation type of concept, but they didn't know how to 
make it both funny and dramatic and also feel like it had some something meaningful behind it and that it all just ended up resulting in a weird tour of Janet Voids mm-hmm. instead of like it was just kind of a frustrating season that I think just lacked a solid through line because I think back to this idea of, yeah, the Janet voids. And then I go, wait, this is the same season that had all the Brent stuff too. That feels like eons ago. And that's weird and not good. Yeah. No, it was because it became so clear that they knew that this is where they were heading and this is where they wanted the show to end. Yeah. Um, And they, they had a sense that they needed like, two to three episodes in the good place yeah that was it and so then all, everything else we got before then but it felt so muddled and just poorly like yeah i have to think back and remind myself that we spent the first half of the season with cheaty not being our cheaty and mm-hmm. with oh god the complete wasting of simone and just like there is so much that should have been better about this last season and knowing that having or having confirmed where they were headed it's like you couldn't have done something better to get us here i mean it just yeah. it's it's disappointing because the high the heights of this series are so high at least for me yes they're just ridiculous like those, those first two seasons are like primo television yeah, but and, and the people who write the show are very smart and very good at yes. what they do. They are very curious and certainly audacious and willing to just go for big things, which is awesome. Um, and then it just makes like, then how did how was the first half of this final season such a mess? In retrospect, an enjoyable mess, a funny mess, something that I had a, at least one or one or two moments that I really enjoyed every episode yes. of. Yeah, but still a mess um and it's just it's a little puzzling but i mean i still i say that but i still greatly enjoyed the whole run and and i would not change the beginning of the show to fix my my sense of the issues with the end of the show certainly so you know if 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 it took this beginning of this last season in order for us to have like the a hundred reboots in one episode episode, which I so enjoyed, I'm I'll, I'll deal with that. That works. You know, the, the stuff that it got right for me is so much greater than the stuff that it, it messed up. And I think if I wasn't so connected to the series, I wouldn't be bothered by my, my feeling as around it's some of its weaknesses. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like that degree of investment that it, really compelled and especially across the first two seasons i would argue that a lot of what it wants to do in season four it already did in season three and very successfully Mm -hmm. um which is why it's very weird that season four is not as successful um of no we're gonna visit people and we're going to help them be better and then we're gonna do the same thing in season four to like save the universe and it doesn't work. And it's very weird, but it's also very much a concept of we still have plot machinations that we have to deal with of the bad place and all this weird balancing stuff that ultimately meant nothing. Um, so that's the thing is like it invited so much audaciousness. And I think that's a really good sort of word to describe the show, especially in its first two seasons. Of We're going to be really crazy and weird and old and take these really big swings but also do these twists that like people saw coming but also no one saw coming Mm -hmm. um it was also really weird when michael gave to honey that peacock tie because again the peacock is the feathers are symbolic of the devil 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's an evil bow tie. It's an evil bow tie. Why are you giving it to her? It's like the whole point of it is like that he's watching it. Like, that's just such a, like, yes, it's sweet and all. And like, I can see why they did that. But like, but come on. Is, is this the right term? The semiotics? Like the like the, the messaging of the costuming was very clear with that early on. Yeah. That feels like a time when the uh, costumer should have like said, you guys know what we were doing here, right? Right. You you understood that, right? No? No, no one understood? I guess not. Uh. <laughs> we know, friend of the show, I'm a Fraser understood it and the various <laughs> other people who watch TV for the costumes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, but it was like willing to do these big swings and then just like engage in these kinds of conversations um even down to like having to grapple with michael as a demon and like how do you rehabilitate him it actually wants to talk about that to a certain degree like Mm -hmm. i mean i think about how just delightful the trolley problem episode is of wait you're torturing us again (laughs) yeah i couldn't help it i'm a demon (laughs) and the acknowledgement and like the full frontal nature of like tackling that but then slowly building something but then not wanting to do it again mm-hmm. um with a less sympathetic type of character in trevor um that it just garnered so much goodwill and then just went but we just kind of want to do the lost ending with everyone in a non-denominational church mm-hmm. and it's like but you'd need to build to that and you you'd you didn't you didn't follow through as i think kind of like the big problem of the fourth season is like yes there's a tonal shift there's a genre shift but there's also a shift of no you didn't you didn't do just enough basically to like kind of stick this landing because you wrote backwards just a lot Mm -hmm. as opposed to writing to something yeah yeah, no, I definitely I mean we've talked about this all season. And while I think I think the ending works better for me than it does for you, um, and certainly the last the last episode, uh, I they're just it's just it's so much more disjointed than the rest of the show. It's it's a bit odd, but certainly it's you already mentioned the trolley problem. It's a show that I I will be remembering moments from episodes from for a long time. It has episodes that are in contention for Best, uh, most memorable episode, best finale, best twist, best payoff for me for the decade, probably. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Well, well, you know, I, I look forward to, to kind of reflecting on this show at the end of the year and then at the, you know, five years from now and seeing how it has held up and, and like not even just rewatching it, but like in my own mind right, and in memory, my relationships right. with other shows. Um, cause it's certainly been, a lot of fun over the course of its entire run and like i mean if if you had to name three episodes i mean i feel like season one finale michael's gambit yes absolutely and then trolley problem was right to mind for me and yeah. I, there's a there's a bunch of other ones that would contend for that third spot there's a, there's a lot of really strong episodes and i do think that season one finale is one of the best season one finales of shows i've seen and i've seen a lot of shows <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's so good. And I mean, it's not just the Michael, the Michael, it's not just the Ted Dance and Laugh, but it's all mostly but the it's, Ted it's Dance. It's also <laughs> entirely the Ted Dance and Laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've been going for way longer than we anticipated uh, about the Good Place finale in this last season and a bit on the show as a whole. Do you have any final thoughts on the series and what you'll take away from it? 
I mean, I think that this still, despite the last season, is still probably one of my favorite shows from like the 2010s. Um, even if it didn't like rank real high because this final season, I feel good about like kind of it not quite being as high when we did our best of the decade stuff. But it's still just really good. It's really thoughtful. And I swear to God, if Manny Jacinto doesn't get more work after this, I'm just going to burn them. it all down. I'm just going to burn it all down. Yeah. Just all of it. I need, um, well, you know, and you're the one who's, who's just, it really, all of the cast, this is true of, but especially, especially William Jackson Harper. Uh, right. You see a picture of him, like the actual guy, and I don't even recognize him. Just, yeah, he looks so completely different. And that just speaks to his physicality and his, his performance, but like his look and, and his energy is so completely different from Chidi that I, I like had, like I saw him on a talk show. I was like, Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's that's him. He just is a really good physical actor, as well as comedic actor, as well as all the other things we already appreciate. But like all the other, the rest of the cast, right, have very different energies than their characters, but yeah. they still look like them. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so, so it, it's it, that was really seeing every everybody do the the talk show circuit kind of thing yeah. heading into this finale. Um was it was a bit drawing for me and but i hope that all of these these actors will be popping up in yeah various projects because they're all real good and that's the thing is like william harper jackson and darcy Carden were both like kind of ready to give up <laughs> yeah <laughs> before they got this show yeah um so now they have this show and their profile is so large now mm-hmm. um that hopefully they continue to get more work um and I don't just mean Darcy Carden showing up on Barry. I mean actual work. Actual, yeah, <laughs> recurring, you know, higher profile. Uh, yes, longer term, indeed. Well, we both really enjoyed The Good Place, listeners. I'm guessing you did, too, if you're still listening. Um, so reach out, let us know your favorite moments, your favorite episodes, what you thought about this finale, as well as the rest of the show. Uh, feel free to send that hate mail to theteleverse.gmail.com uh, if we're being too mean to your favoritist show, which is very possible. Um, but it's time for some show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. We are up uh, with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed up in Apple Podcasts. We're also over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. 